0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to another edition of the tdn writers room post kentucky derby 149. my name is bill finley i'm a correspondent with thoroughbred daily news and the co-host of the down the stretch show on sirius xm radio
2: and my name is randy moss i work for nbc sports uh literally just got home about an hour ago from the uh, kentucky derby in louisville
0: i'm zoe cabman with first racing can't thank you enough for coming back early just for us randy The show was great. Great coverage on NBC. i got Doodle behind me. I'm sure you've got Lucy there somewhere playing dead on the couch behind you.
2: Yeah, I was just reunited with Lucy about an hour ago. She was very happy to see me. It had been like a week and a half. So
1: now she's in her normal spot, racked. Yes, and we welcome Lucy back as well. All right, Kentucky Derby 149, and we are going to talk about the bad news. We have to talk about that as well, but we're going to do it in sort of two segments. We're going to do the Kentucky Derby first, just talk about the race, the good news stories of Mage winning, Javier Castellano, et cetera, dissect the race. But we will get into the other stuff because that is very important. And I think all of us here at the TDN, and I think Zoe and Randy agree that it's a subject that we can't ignore. All right, the race is won by Mage. Feel good story, Javier Castellano. Randy, the first thing I want to throw out though is, do you have to look at this and say, what if? Mage is second behind Forte in the Florida Derby. He's beaten by him in the Fountain of Youth as well. Then he comes in and wins the Kentucky Derby, and Forte isn't allowed to run because of the scratch with the bruised hoof. That was one of the storylines of many. Do you look at it that way, or is that a little unfair to Mage? You know, it's, that's,
2: we thought we were going to see Forte in the Preakness, and that's not going to happen. But th- that was one of the uh, dilemmas, one of the, one of the handicapping angles that people were going to have to consider is did did mage just continue to escalate his performance and get better and better and would he have turned the tables on forte where whereas forte as we've talked about in the past at least on paper has been sort of steady since his two-year-old year you know did mage just improve continue to improve and surpass forte i tend to think he did looking at the numbers i mean uh he ran a very solid 105 buyer speed figure which is higher than anything Forte's ever run. He had only had three previous lifetime starts. He's had shown a pattern already of getting better and better and better. Um, And, you know, I think Mage is uh, really headed in the right direction now. Is he going to keep improving in two weeks? In Baltimore, we usually don't see that with the two-week turnaround. But, uh, my gosh, he ran a, I thought, a much improved race uh, in the Kentucky Derby. And he had a good race in the Florida Derby before that.
0: Yeah, I mean, those chestnut horses with big white faces, who'd have thought it winning the Derby? Now we've had two in just a matter of years since Justify. A terrific race by Mage. Echo everything you already said. It was great to see Javier Castellano. Great to hear from Romero. We'll be speaking to him a little bit uh, later on. But, I mean, honestly, we just overthink everything. Us as analysts are overthinking. So Forte's out. He's scratched. He's a favorite. He's a champion two-year-old. Why didn't we all just jump on Mage? I mean, how easy is that? I mean, we could have all been walking around here with a bunch of cash in our pockets. But no, we try and overthink things and overanalyze things. The regular Joe Blow probably had Mage and probably is walking around drinking Moet right now where I'm just drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> but it, it was a terrific race by Mage. Um, the second-place finisher, hey, two fills, Valley. What a cool story that is. I mean, the Derby is full about stories. Jareth Lovebury riding his first Kentucky Derby, riding a perfect race, just getting outfooted in the last instant. Angel of Empire, no excuses for him. He was right by Mage at the back of the field early on. You could have said that Mage got the jump on him. I think he just had a bigger acceleration than Angel of Empire, who ran very well. Looks like we're, you know, liable to see him in the... In the belmont stakes but a, a terrific race all round. it couldn't have gone any better for that particular race
1: but
2: i thought mage was one of about a half dozen horses or so who were in that middle tier of odds right, right between 10 and let's say 25 to one that if they had won you would have looked at it and said okay i didn't pick them you know i didn't bet in but i'm not surprised i'm not shocked that this horse won um
0: do you know what the super paid the super paid fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand with Asperson coming in fourth. That, that was a good chunk of change. Didn't have that either. It's
2: a perfect example, I think, of uh, of why the Kentucky Derby, in my opinion, at least, is harder to handicap now uh, than it ever has been because horses are so. Some of the horses are so lightly raced when they get to Kentucky, as we know, horses improve with experience when they when they see things during the running of, of a race you know and as they progress through their starts they tend to get better and better with experience well mage had only had three lifetime starts it, it, his experience was still kicking in his improvement was still kicking in but whereas in the past when you see a horse that comes to the kentucky derby let's say mage if, if mage had run in the 1980s 1990s he might've had five or six starts by the time he got to the Kentucky Derby and all that, a lot of that improvement would have already been baked into his past performances. Here, with only three starts, we're left to guess how much improvement there is in the tank, right? And and that's one of the things that you have to deal with nowadays when you have such inexperienced horses in the Kentucky Derby.
1: Yeah, you know, speaking to those uh, those factors, the inexperience, et cetera, you know, there were a couple things that I think not just the three of us, but everybody got wrong beforehand. And, and Randy, to, to your point about how difficult it is to handicap the Kentucky Derby, number one, um, there didn't look like there's any pace in this race. It looked like it was going to be a relatively slow pace. Not only was it not relatively slow, it was 22 and 145 and 3, 110. It was an exceptionally fast pace. Uh, now, I know it was a fast pace last year as well. I believe it was the same thing going in. Everybody's looking at that and saying, Who, who's going to go to the lead here? That trip. Absolutely favored Mage because he came from well off it under Castellano. The other thing that I I think I know I said and and maybe the two of you did well if Mage doesn't break well, forget about it. He didn't break terrible, but he didn't break alertly. And again, this pattern of him not getting out of the gate, you know, just jumping out of the gate and getting himself right into the race. But but Randy, I think in this circum, this odd circumstance, I think that worked out in his favor because the race set up for a closer. And you know, even though he was, you know, well back early, that's where you wanted to be. And the savvy veteran Javier Castellano rode a terrific race.
2: I think you're absolutely right about that. I think you hit the nail right on the head. And Castellano learned about Mage. He rode him in the Fountain of Youth when he broke slowly from the gate. And that day, he rushed him, and Mage ran out of gas. This time, when the horse again, I mean, he wasn't left at the gate, but he broke slowly. He and Tappet Trice and Cyclone Mischief and Derma all got slow breaks from the gate for various reasons. Javier this time sat on him and let the horse just sort of pick his way through the field. And I think that made all the difference in the world as far as the the pace was concerned. Look, I mean, I kind of knew that they were going to go for the lead with Reincarnate uh, because that was his best race in the Sham stakes. But I was a little surprised that Kings Barnes was ridden so aggressively early on, right? Um, I was not, you know, not really surprised at uh, Jace's Road being asked for speed early. Um, and, of course, from post two verifying, I thought they would be a little bit more patient than they were and maybe try to work out a trip sitting, you know, third or fourth, but he was ridden for the early lead. And so those three horses hook up. And before you know it, it's 22 and 145. And the pace is, is on the fast side of uh, derby history. It, it, as far as Mages start, we'll hear from uh, Romero Restrepo later. But we were told uh, by the connections before the race that they thought they had Mages slow start solved by some padding in the starting gate that Ramiro is going to talk about. He said, oh, he should break a lot better. And I agree with you, Bill. He didn't break good, and it helped him because the pace was so fast, it actually helped his chances to break slowly from the starting gate in the Kentucky Derby.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It helped him. And uh, why would you want to change it now? I mean, and the horse is comfortable having that running style. The way that he was able to navigate a trip like that in just career start number four was amazing. Kudos to Javier Castellano. I watched the, the drone shot of him all the way around, and it never got stopped, just kept on rocking and kept on going. So he had a very clean trip. Uh, Tappet Trice, just still pedaling, basically. He got into a little bit of could never get going. What what happened to Dermot Soragaki? Uh Well,
2: the horses at the back of the field going into the first turn were Tappet Trice, Angel of Empire, uh mage and derma sodagaki lurched left at the start slammed into the side of the starting gate and so he found himself back in the back of the pack which is not typically his running style he made a nice run got up to about fourth or fifth uh at the 516s pole uh running around horses at that point and then mage blew his doors off from the outside and he hung in there okay but I, you can't say that necessarily cost him the race but it certainly
1: Randy, is this the curse of the UAE Derby, though? Um, you know, <laughs> we've broken all the other curses. How about this one? You know, that was the reason. And, and look, I was wrong about everything in the Derby. I picked Tapit Trice. So I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I was an anti Dermisoda guy because I said, until someone comes out of this race and runs, i don't even have to win, but run a good race, I, I, no thank you. And, you know, we had thought this was maybe the best horse ever to come out of the UAE Derby. And, um, you know, little minor excuses here or there, but, you know, it's not like he had a terrible trip or anything. He just didn't run all that good.
2: Yeah, I don't believe in curses, Bill. Like it, <laughs> the, the curse of Apollo was spoiled yet again on Saturday, oh, right. Right? right? Mage not having run at all as a two-year-old. Like, but as far as some of the other horses, right, you mentioned Tapatrice. He had no excuse. He's, he's back in the back. He broke slowly again. He's back in the back of the pack. But Mage was back there, too. Angel of Empire was back there, too. Uh, we just didn't see the same, for whatever reason, didn't see the same tap of trice that we saw in the Bluegrass Stakes. He didn't have that same late kick. Uh, Angel of Empire got a great ride from from uh, Flavian Pratt to save ground around the first turn and kind of pick his way through horses. He fired. He ran his race. Um, two fills. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think two fills. And hats off to Mage. Two Fills ran the best race of any of the horses in the Derby. Because the pace was so fast, we saw what happened to all those horses who were up there, the three that that were up there setting the pace. And right behind them on the inside was Confidence Game, and he backed up the last eighth of a mile. And right in the middle of all that was Two Fills, under a pole from Jareth Loveberry. And when he turned for home, he looked like a winner. But for Two Fills to run that well, being so close to that pace, and still be beaten, what was he beaten, a length and a quarter, length and a half? A hell of a race for two fills.
1: So now we look ahead to the Preakness, and just a couple days ago, looked like it was going to be a really strong Preakness with not only Mage coming back, but two fills. They were talking about bringing him back, and also Forte coming back after being scratched. Uh, We learned this morning that two fills is not going to come, and um, Forte can't come. Because he was put on the vets list and he's got to be on there for 14 days and then work to get off it. So uh we're gonna have a preakness where Mage is gonna be a heavy favorite with a lot of horses that uh you know don't have much marquee value. Randy, if he runs back to his derby, he's gonna be awful hard to beat. He's gotta run back to his derby. But um I'm not gonna say it's gonna be a layup for him, because you can't say any any race in the Triple Crown series is a layup. But uh I'm scratching my head now and and can't really come up with too many scenarios where he can be beaten or or too many horses that can beat him we'll see well
2: you know where I'm going with this bill I'll get back on my two-week soapbox right if the if if the braces were spaced out a little more you'd have Angel of Empire uh you'd have two fills you'd have Forte because he'd be off the vet's list at that point you would have a much better Preakness Stakes than you're gonna have uh it's still the second leg of the Triple Crown and you know the history of yada 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 Uh, But once again, the Preakness is not as good as the Preakness should be because of the two-week gap, but it is what it is.
0: It's history. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if it changes down the road. The one thing I can't understand is the connections of Forte. Um, He was a vet scratch. We all know why. We're not going to go into that. But, I mean, it's an automatic 14 days on the vets list. And the preakness is in 14 days. So I I don't know why it was such a surprise that he can't run.
1: Yeah, that was a a little bit unusual. That story changed quite a bit. Uh, Today, we're taping this on Tuesday on Monday. Hey, uh, Zoe, what's going on at Keeneland?
0: All right. As usual, the TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland, home of the world's biggest yearling sale. The energy, magic, and momentum of the September yearling sale returns September the 11th. Through the 23rd. Learn more at the world's And speaking of Keelan September, what a weekend it was for the September yearling sale. The first three across the wire in the Kentucky Derby were all sold at Keelan September Mage, Two Fails, and Angel of Empire. Now, guys, if that's not enough, their dams were also sold. Hooker was sold as a yearling. She is the dam. Of Mage, Pretty mischievous, won the Oaks. Her dam was also sold as a yearling at Keeneland. September, we'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. If this place could talk, it would roar. It would say, this is a racing, this beating heart in the heart of horse country. Steady and strong beneath the roar. Reminding us why. For the love of the horse. For generations to come.
2: Spites Town. 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 Munning, Money. Money.
3: Echo Town.
2: It's Echo Town for Joe Talamo. And Echo Town breaks the way. And
1: Echo Town is drawing away in the stretch. Echo Town wins the Allen Turkin Stakes.
2: A sire line so prolific, it repeats itself.
0: Echo Town. The TDM Writers' Room is brought to you by Coolmore. All right, Randy, I'm putting you on the hot spot right now. What did you (laughs) think of Zozo's on Saturday, who, of course, is sired by Munnings, who stands at Coolmore.
2: I thought he looked really good winning the Knicks go and talking to Brad Cox before the race. Because of Zozo's sort of newfound off the pace running style at the fairgrounds, where he was five and a half, six lengths off the pace in a couple of his races, Brad was worried about Zozo's backing up from a two-turn race to a one-turn mile, and that they might run away from him a little bit. He didn't communicate that to Florent Giroux. The last time Florent Giroux had ridden Zozos was last year in the Louisiana Derby. The horse broke sharply. Florent went to the lead, set the pace in the Louisiana Derby, and Zozos ran one of his best races to finish second to epicenter. So what happened in the Knicks go? Zozos breaks sharply. Florent says, I'm going to the lead. And Zozos fired a really big race and uh you know I thought I think the barn should be very very happy with the way he performed.
0: they certainly should all right it was a m- massive weekend for Coolmore Stallions Bill what about market segmentation by American fat Pharaoh who also stands at Coolmore he just won the grade three birthday Churchill wasn't the only place they were racing this weekend. We were racing at Belmont as well.
1: Yeah, once again, a big win for Seth Clareman and Chad Brown. The American Pharaohs, uh, yes, they are good on the dirt, but boy, on the turf, they are really good. Uh, this is a win that sets up a return engagement in grade one company for her next, maybe the Just a Game, maybe the New York State, but that combination of American Pharaoh, Chad Brown, Seth Clareman, and turf racing, this horse is going places.
0: In this week's edition of First Things First, we celebrated Corey Nakatani, who will be inducted into the Racing Hall of Fame on August the 4th. Is this race the Corey Nakatani Pass Hall of Fame? We're here today to celebrate you, Corey. How are you feeling? Just kind of like overwhelmed, actually. Just, it's something that you, you know, when you're a little kid, you work for it. I always say that it's the Hall of Fame is for your family because your family always takes a back seat to your career and without a strong support. But, you know, obviously my wife, Lisa, and the kids, um, it just makes it that much sweeter. Lisa, what's it been like living with Corey over very the years? Very difficult,
1: very difficult.
0: <laughs> I need a <an> award. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the award for her. <laughs> for him, I was just so happy for him, honestly, because I know how hard he worked. I know how he dedicated his life to this. So it was so rewarding. He's like, I'll probably be dead before I get in. And um, to actually watch him wow. shed a tear that he was, it was, it was really rewarding because, again, he put his life out there every day and gave 100%. I ran all the way up <laughs> to the roof to find Frank Miramati because we just had the Corey Nakatani Hall of Fame purse.
3: He was in the very first race I ever called. I just thought about that live. He, I knew he was in some of those races with uh, a Frankel horse or two, but he actually rode a horse named Gold Diggers Dream. I get goosebumps. It was the first race I ever called. He finished second. Stats don't lie. Corey is pure greatness. He deserves this and at Santa anita park we certainly celebrate and honor him but as a racing fan he was a friend of the two dollar better he rode the hair off those horses and he tried to get them home first
1: the
2: green group has over 500 clients in the horse business they specialize in the thoroughbred industry and the green group has Proven strategies to save you on your
1: taxes.
2: Learn more about how the Green Group can help you. Go to www.greenco.com.
1: Welcome in now our Green Group guest of the week, Ramiro Restrepo, and he is one of the team that brought Maids to the Winner Circle in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. He's a co-owner. He's a bloodstock agent. He helped pick them out at the Timonium sale uh, run by Phasic Tipton. He also works for Phasic Tipton. Ramiro, congratulations! And let's go back to when this story started. And it's fairly recently, on January twenty-eighth, he made his first career start. On that day, are you ever thinking that we might have the Kentucky Derby winner?
4: No, uh, we knew we had a talented colt. Bill, he had shown, you know, flashes of being really fast back at the Thurba Training Center in uh, Lexington, right, uh, in Paris, right outside of Lexington. Just really showed um, he had a work there, like in November, forty-six and two on that track that's traditionally, you know, not as pretty, pretty deep. And I remember the clockers there brought it up to us and we're like, you know, a handful of horses have ever done this work. And they actually contacted, um, uh, I believe it was Kieran McLaughlin or Louis old or Louis signs old agent to let him know, Hey, there's a horse going down South that you have to ride. And, um, that was our first like you know hello moment because the horse came back and like if he just went out for a jog it was like one of the first times we let him you know we kind of let him see what what he had and and uh that was an impressive work so that was the first clue but i don't know anything any, anyone who ever says oh I, I knew i was buying a derby winner when it happened it's just doing it for pomp and, and circumstance in reality you know we you always try to buy a, just a nice horse and You know, whether he would be a a champion sprinter or a monster turf horse or whatever, you're over the moon with that. You know, so, you know, this is just a a Hollywood ending.
2: So, Ramiro, we all saw the horse uh, the first time Javier rode him in the Fountain of Youth break poorly from the gate. And he was rushed that day. And then back in the Florida Derby, he made that huge move, went past Forte on the second turn. And then the last furlong finished up in like 13 and change, emptied out a little bit the last part of the race. How did you guys view the Florida Derby heading
4: in to last Saturday? I guess, you know, he's run, prior to the Derby, he had run three times with three different trips. And um, I know his, his breaking has been a, a, a topic of, of curiosity. He doesn't fill up the entire gate, so he leans back and crosses his back legs. So we were hoping that with the padding that the Churchill starter put in, he'd at least break sharper. Which technique wise, it was his best jump of the four because the padding really helped to square him. But the timing of the bell was, you know, wasn't as sharp. But at least he broke the cleanest of all. The final review was a disaster. He broke sideways with legs crooked. I'm surprised he didn't fall over. And. um, I guess from the final review to the Florida Derby, we learned a lot about his training style, that he could take dirt and sit. And um, I really didn't view his last eighth at the Florida Derby as a really big deal in terms of it, it uh, of him, quote-unquote, emptying out because Louis, after the race, was like, you know, I never breezed him. I didn't ride him. And when I found myself sitting last at that point at the half mile pole, he was expecting kind of a slow progression from the half mile on. He didn't realize, and we wouldn't know, and nobody realized that when he would press that button, that he would have a Porsche 911 0-60 to in 1.1. Like nobody, it, it caught him by surprise. It sure as heck caught up by surprise. And any of us who's watched Gulfstream, I mean, you know, I was reminded of Brian's time from Mark Mar- Toothacre when he did it at Gulfstream. I saw Gunna Vera do it once, dialed in, do that kind of move. That move doesn't happen at Gulfstream, you know, so... To ask that kind of, you know, one false swoops swing like that left us all, like, shocked. And Louis said that he, in hindsight, inside, even, even with that, he made the mistake of going inside to try to dominate secular Mischief because he didn't think anything was going to be coming after he passed Forte like that. And he said that in hindsight, he wished he would have stayed in in down the, the middle, and it, when, if he would have felt something coming, he should have just gone, you know, kind of herded him to the right and would have made it even harder for Forte to to pass us. And, and what encouraged us regardless of the time was that even after all that effort and all these things that Louis says that when he felt Forte coming, he started, you know, yelling, to wake the horse up to to re-engage and that the horse he felt surge. But, you know, Isaac Newton, laws of physics, this other was coming the momentum and the wire came up and it was over. But after the wire, if you look at the gallop out, regardless of whatever your view is on gallop outs, he's tugging and pulling and, and, and wanting to fight as the jockey said, like, while well, the race is over. So we were like, look, he's not quitting. Like he's showing signs that he wants to keep going. Like he, he it's not like to galloped out by 20, or we switched to the wrong lead and fell back to, by 20. You know, on the contrary, he, he wanted to keep going. So we knew he had a fight. You just had to learn because no horse is going to give you a sustained move for a mile or, or, or three quarters in, of explosion. So kind of realized that we didn't really, that the necessity of having a physical rider wasn't of the most intense importance, but a rider that had hands experience and timing more than anything. And who better than Javier Castellano. And it made that decision pretty darn easy to get him back on the horse. So when he got to Churchill Downs and was, he, he loved the weather. You know, that Florida humidity beats up a lot of people and, and was beating him up a little bit. And uh, the track was a lot kinder to him. It was just every day he was just giving me these clues that he was feeling feeling himself. And that just gave us the, um, the confidence that if you can go from losing by... Because I respect the hell out of Forte. Always have. Like people who want to throw their two cents about him and throw stats and figures class beats speed class beats speed figures silver charm ran to whoever was next to him so it didn't matter he would put his nose front when it mattered silver charm wasn't thinking i ran this rating or that figure or this sheet or nothing silver charm was just like my nose has to finish in front of this horse you know like there's no way to compute that so if i knew that my horse could make up six lengths between Fountain of youth to three quarters of a length in the Florida Derby. And I, and we knew he was still on the come that we were just going to be in the mix for a big route when they turned for home, regardless of whoever was in that race as an analyst as a handicapper. Okay. Practical move on the Saturday Derby hats to you. Angel of empire. Mazel. Tap of trice, you won the bluegrass thumbs up forte you did your thing but after those four of the runner ups you you it'd be hard for you to convince me that i wasn't fifth so when two of them withdrew and we felt we were top 3 you know no one's here like no one said we're going to win but you were like dude we know that we're going to we're here to to give a good account of ourselves like we're not going to be embarrassed we weren't 18 to 1 in in, in our minds we we're like we're we we belong with these horses we belong with these top three horses of what's what's left in the field and um you know other factors gave us even further confidence Gustav's training style how the horse was looking how he was feeling and it all you know when a you know you love it when a good plan comes together right so and it did so it, it's unbelievable
0: why didn't we have you on last week? That's all I'm saying. My <laughs> sister, man, he just know. completely tossed him out. Oh, his bike, magic. He can't go a mile and a quarter. He got tired. He blah 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 blah. We should have just had you on last week, and we would have made a. It his mother, it, it, it
4: called Zoe. His brother ran 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 in the Oaks. You saw her juvenile Phillies. She should have won. it if she should have won, at least at the board. If you watch her race, she ran the Oaks. Grandpa won it. Yep. You know you, you would have. Uh, she's just a half a half whole half. lot of money. She's a half to Finnegan's wake, who's a mile and a half, 12, mile and a half grade one winner. So there's class and the bottom there. I mean, you know, obviously I sound a lot smarter now, right? <laughs> when it right. Finish, but
0: right. At least so it I but gives you a, that confidence. I have a question. So Javier Castellano was originally supposed to ride Race Kane. What happened with Javier Race Kane? Was it something to do with Jeff Ruby's? Like
3: there was a whole, oh, a whole bunch uh, of
0: stuff going on that got you to Javier. Mike Smith said he got a call. Like what what went in at the last minute? The jockey jockeying and you know the musical roundabouts of jockeys going into the derby.
4: Sure. Uh and I know that's a question that's been asked. Um after the bluegrass, Louis obviously was was retaining the mount on tap of trice. And we
0: That's got a call.
4: Enough. Yeah. So we, 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 we got a call from, you know, Mike Smith, the Mike Smith with Matt, Brad Pegram. Now I can't tell, uh, we, we, I believe, I don't, I don't remember how we got in touch with Brad or how Brad got in touch with us, but there was an exchange of communication that I can confirm that about his availability or about his interest and vice versa. Cause he's another jockey with a lot of experience and, and, that, and Javier had already ridden the horse and uh, just followed our instructions in the Fountain of Youth, which was what we thought after the maiden, right? Which was, go, you know, fight, fight for the front. And um, there was another jockey as well, but uh, he chose to not ride in the Kentucky Derby, if you can read between the lines. He, he decided to get on the plane and go somewhere else and win a very important race in Europe.
0: <laughs> oh okay <laughs>
4: Frankie <laughs> <laughs> that we that, that we had had a conversation with but quickly were're told about his his overseas adventures and um, I believe something with Ray's Kane's sponsorship was in the middle of the Jeff Ruby's and race Kane sponsorship. There was a a communication something going on there with with them. And Jeff Ruby clear, cleared it about us. Uh, we could care less. You can put Jeff Ruby's the pants could have been sequined in a Jeff Ruby's outfit. I could, you know it had nothing to do with me. You know, we didn't care about that. And um, but we had always stayed in touch with Javier because we are we are basically it, it's four partners, but there's two Gustavos. And then there's, and then there's two guy, you know, two leads in, in Commonwealth Jason and, and, Brian, and then there's myself and Sam. So in reality, it's almost like six people sitting down for conversation. So uh, you would do want to have the respect of everybody getting, giving everybody their forum to speak their minds. Um, but we had, but Javier and Gustavo, they go back forever in a day. If you saw the press conference, they know each other, you know, since Javier was a kid and um, Javier's father and, our exercise rider and Gustavo. I mean, it's just family. So Javier was always like the two to one favorite, but how beautiful is it that for a few days? You know, you have guys of the caliber of Mike Smith and, and, and Frankie even flirting, you know, it's always lovely to even entertain that conversation, but it was always like hobby. but how funny, like, you know, but just, it was just interesting to hear, the other partner's opinions on those riders as well,
0: you know? It was the right choice. It was fantastic to see Javier win the Derby finally, because he is a fantastic guy. It was a Venezuelan connection. You couldn't have written a script better than what happened on that day.
4: You know, like these Guy Ritchie movies, that it's like six storylines going at once. I mean, the Commonwealth guys have their story. Sam from Sterling Racing has his story. Gustavos have their story. You know, obviously because of these the, the, the blessing of social media platform, it's been like a walking commercial for me to tell my story of my family. Um, you know, it's it's lovely to be able to communicate each one's sto- you know storylines and um, how many times is this? I mean, how many times does this really happen? You know, like are
0: you still hungover?
4: Oh, I, I just, I just can't sleep. You know, I keep watching the race. Uh, I can't believe that we won, that we won it. You know, it, it's a, it, it's incredible. It's just, uh, it's just a dream. It, it's just so, it's still so, uh, the emotion is still really raw. I haven't, I haven't really been able to, um, you know, to, 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 to put it behind me. I'm still like just s- soaking it up.
1: Romero, why don't we take a look now at the Preakness and jump ahead. And I guess there's kind of two ways to look at this. Um, you, you said that going into the Kentucky Derby, you thought this horse was improving, getting better. Very lightly raced with only three lifetime starts. Maybe we still haven't seen the very best of them. The other storyline is, uh, and it was a storyline in the Derby that you overcame. It's an awful lot to ask of a horse that has only raced three times, began his career in January some point does it all catch up to him so you know what are your thoughts about the greatness and, and obviously the two weeks which uh, you know every horse coming out of the derby has to deal with
4: sure i mean that that's what makes this uh such a hard series to compete in and that's what adds to the you know to the special mystical flair of the two-week turnaround and of the triple crown uh, you know you, you, there's no at this moment in time you have to deal with the cards that are in front of you i mean there's no sense in saying we should make changes because they're not going to happen if you want to do that for next year well that's not my place to make that decision you just got to focus on the task at hand and and it's it's what happens to you I, I, yesterday i made the analogy like life is uh 10 what happens to you nine percent how you react to it so this is what it is the horse uh was never really pushed to get ready for his maiden so it's not like he ran 20 races in the morning the races are making him, are evolving his physicality. They're evolving his mentality. And um, we're, we keep waiting, much like everybody else, for signs that the stage has gotten to him mentally or the races have gotten to him physically. And obviously, he's, you know, flesh and blood. And I'm sure, you know, at, at some point, uh, it's just. The, the, the natural way of the animal that, uh, and a, and, a, a cons- and I include humans in that, that there might be a fatigue factor and but we're still waiting for that. You know, whether it's after the Preakness or after the Belmont or after X, Y, and Z, who who knows? I, I don't know. No, I, I, no one can answer that question, but the horse at the moment came out of the race as good as one could ever ask for. So you just got to do his ride the wave and see how, how long that barrel ride, you know, you can ride it. Uh, There's nothing else that that we can go for. We're really happy. Um, Gustavo's super content. I mean, it's a blessing. I mean, like statistically, I totally, I mean, I'm a horse player. I'm a, I'm an obsessed um, viewer of horse video, uh, the PP, pp's from going back to the eighties. I it's 100 people are not incorrect when they say these observations, like 100%, like statistically speaking, nine out of 10 horses are, Eight out of ten horses that are in this campaign, it's too much for them, for sure. But when you have the right one, that outlier that has the mental wherewithal, that knows how to take care of himself, that knows that's that's really smart, that's easy on himself the first part of the race, that is trained in a certain fashion, that can handle the workload, uh, you're lucky and 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 you're just fortunate that it puts you in the position that you hope the two weeks don't hit him hard when he's actually in the gate and running it. And, um, but right now he's giving all all the signs that he should put forth a good effort.
2: So Gustavo obviously had a lot of success in South America. He's been building a stable in the United States with his son, Gustavo Jr. They've had some success with this, kind of a smaller boutique stable. Give us a little
4: insight into Gustavo and his training style. Um, You know, it's a little known fact that Gustavo spent uh, some time with Lazaro Barrera and um, learned a lot uh, from the affirmed teachings from Lazaro Barrera. I had asked that question to Gustavo earlier this year. I was like, you know, did you have any influences growing up? Cause you know, there's only so much you can talk about about the existing horses in our barn. And, you know, you, I love to, I'm a curious person and I like to ask, uh, you know, people, questions, open-ended questions to learn a little more about them. And, um, he, I asked him that question. He was like, you know, I, I was with Lazaro Barrera for a little bit and I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And we would talk a lot after I'd go out to the California and I learned a lot and I saw a lot. And I was like, you're kidding me. And, um, it's, it's definitely a, 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 a you know, the, the Cuban trainers, there was a really big Cuban Cuba, racetrack in Cuba, El Oriente back, back in the day. And, um, the Argentinians, the South Americans, the Chileans, the you know the Brazilians, the Venezuelans—they fo- they, 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 they focus more on foundational mileage and building wind lung capacity. But you do need the horse, you know. I can bring you uh, Wolfgang Puck to my kitchen, but if I got McDonald's ingredients in my fridge, uh, you know you're not going to get the gourmet meal. So regardless of this, you still need the, the horse, right, to be able to execute. But the horse has natural speed. It was evident by his maiden. He 22-45 and one ten, kept rolling one twenty-two. He's got that that speed, but he's got the mindset to be able to settle, and that lends to Gustavo's program because he knows how to. He he will respond to what's being taught to him, and you guys know with horses. How many are are you know the old adage? They look like Tarzan, but they play like Jane. You know, if they don't have. <laughs> if, if, if how many talented athletes in all realms of sports? They can't read the playbook. If they don't take the coaching, they don't fulfill their potential on the field or in whatever forum that they're in. And this horse has, and that's, that's just luck. You looked into that a horse that has heart and, 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 and the mind to adapt to Gustavo's, you know, the miles, the horse responds to the cues so well, you know, uh, breezing basically. Yeah. It's three quarters in the, in the, in, in coming on the form, but they're really mild breezes because the horse, they go all the way down, all the way around the Gulfstream, basically past the half, ended up at the three-eighths pole. Every time that he breathed, the, 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 his last two breezes at Gulfstream before went to Churchill. And this last Churchill breeze, that was a 116 that I saw a lot of like, you know, people not impressed with it. I'm like, man, you know, the first quarter was 27 and like three or 27 and four. And he finished up that next half mile in 49 and one. And that last furlong was like either 11, four, or 12 flat. So he, he came, you know, he, he did his job and then he, you know, Galloped out. So, isn't that the point of this race? Is to get the mile and a quarter? I mean, if you you know, we're so like I remember horses like Broad Brush and 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 concern, and it's been a long time. Street sense, and it's been a long time since those kind of horses were prominent in our uh, you know racing. You know that style of racing was 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 more prominent as as the success of the quarter horse trainer influence in our business from the Lucas tree on down and super successful. It's been 100%. Like there's no need to knock it, but the style of those horses is go as far and go as fast as you can. But you look at the the times that they come home and then regularly do they break 26, you know, like they're, they're just, you know, it's definitely go as far as you fat, go as far as fast as you can. They slow down. And, and can this horse do that? I mean, in, in theory, he did it in his maiden, but you know, if you that's not how the way that Gustavo trained, so the horse has adapted to the program lots of miles, lots of foundation, lots of lung capacity, wind workouts, always teaching him to pick up the poles one by one on his own. And again, the horse has had the mindset, the horse does that. He like that's why we said to hobby. if the horse doesn't break well for whatever reason, don't don't worry about it, just put him in a good spot, which he did. He cut in front of the tap and tries, found the pocket. And let the horse get into his own rhythm. And when they went 22-45 and the horse starts picking it up on his own, we know he has that, that turn of foot and hobby at the 3 three-eights game the first little cue. He went from like 16th to you know fifth. And then they let him they cut him loose down the lane and and he timed it just right. And it and it all it all came together.
0: And it's old school horsemanship that teaches. The horse is that because it's not often you see horses going into big races that have had, you know, recent races before that are only working half a mile, five, eight. His is evident two, three quarter works on that page at Churchill, one down there at Goldstream. I think there was a mile in 138. So basically Gustavo is a throwback trainer, which I, I think is fantastic to see in this day and age. And it was just a terrific race, but I want your exact. Feeling your exact thoughts when that horse got to the eighth pole and went to cross the wire. Were you out of your mind?
4: <laughs> <laughs> just so it's just a lot. It's a lot to process, you know. This race this race is uh, is everything, Zoe. So yeah. uh I can't and,
0: imagine.
4: <clears throat> you know what's crazy was that I had my uncles and my mother and my brother with me. So like, it's not just like I had my business partners, we're so many, you know, like we're four entities, but we have so many friends and family that wanna come that uh, there's no way to accommodate all of us. So you have to stay with your little pack. And in my, 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 my box was my mother, my two aunts, my two uncles that the way that they, you know, would take me to the track and teach me things about the horses on the, on the back stretch. Like at the expense of their jobs, their relationships with their children, weren't the greatest and I, who was obsessed with racing, they would take me along. So I have a great relationship with my uncles, but it took the rate, the racing took them away from their families. So like, I'm like a, and, and, and their kids are all daughters. I'm the only boy. So it was like having them there next to me here. They are like, you know, late seventies and early eighties. My two uncles, they did the walk with me and they're, and the, the, the trainer in them, even though they don't, they've been retired for years, doesn't go away. You know, they're, before the race, they're like, what's the strategy gonna be? And I saw the work, and uh, you're they're reliving like like an old ball player. like. And then they're there rooting the home with me, and we're talking fractions. If you ever see, the, there's a video on ABR that they were filming, and I'm like 22, 45, and it's with them, I'm, my uncle's on my shoulder, and I'm, we're talking about this as the race is going, like we're clocking a race. And then it's like, holy cow, like <laughs> I think we're gonna win. Um, She was savage. It was just savage. It was a savage moment.
1: I bet, Ramiro. Well, thanks so much for all your insights. Congratulations. We can see how emotional this is to you, even all these days later after the horse. Crossed the finish line uh, first in the Kentucky Derby. So we thank Ramiro Restrepo, our Green Group Guest of the Week. And once again, congratulations on your great success with Mage.
4: Hey, thank you guys. Much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As the
2: Green Group Guest of the Week, guess what? Ramiro Restrepo will receive a free one-hour tax consultation from the Green Group. Accounting and tax consulting advisory Firm, specializing, of course, in the thoroughbred industry. Again, you can learn more at www.greenco.com.
3: Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies. Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. Like Eclipse Award winning champions Jaywalk and Wonder Wheel. His DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com the green group proven strategies to save you taxes
2: the fastest horse of the week is brought to you by the fast stallions of windstar farm which had its newest graded stakes winner the stallion that we're going to be talking about and that's web slinger in the great two american turf stakes a loaded field on saturday on the Kentucky Derby undercard, card. First, the fastest horse of the week, Smile Happy, who won the Ali Sheba on Friday. And he beat Art Collector, and he beat West Willpower, and he beat them fair and square with a buyer speed figure of 110. That makes Smile Happy not only in the mix at the head of the older horse division, it might put Smile Happy right now at the very top of the older horse division. It was his third start as a four-year-old. Remember, as a two-year-old, Smile Happy uh, was a stakes winner at Churchill Downs. As a three-year-old, he was he was second in a couple of big races in the Risen Star to Epicenter and then to Zandon in the Bluegrass Stakes. And now he has come back strongly at age four for his owners, the Mackin family of Louisville and for trainer ken mcpeak he was written by brian hernandez now for that fast stallion at winstar farm it is constitution the sire of web slinger the leading fifth crop sire by black type winners black type horses graded stakes horses in percentage of grade one winners from starters constitution not only won the grade one don with a 111 buyer he sired nine individual runners with buyers of 100 or more in 2022 no stallion has more with graded stakes winners on dirt and turf from six furlongs to a mile and a quarter and a classic winner in his first crop constitution can get you any kind of a horse constitution leads the sire list at winstar at a fee of 110 thousand dollars
1: all right gang we can wipe those smiles off our faces they were well deserved when we were talking about the running of the kentucky derby but it was a boy tough week, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, I know that I watched the races on Saturday with a pit in my stomach and it was a very uncomfortable feeling. So why don't we kind of divide this into to two segments and let's do the before the Derby, uh, what happened there. And um, five horses died at Churchill, which everybody knows. And not only do we know that, all the American public knows that because the mainstream media, rightfully so, w- was all over the story. And it was not any one thing. We know that horses died for different reasons on different courses. You know, one, you really can't blame on anybody, the horse that reared up and, and fractured its skull in the stalls. But, but Randy, I want to start with a story of Staffy Joseph Jr. who had Lord Miles entered in, in the Kentucky Derby. And he was the trainer of the two horses that died for unknown circumstances. Um, they dropped dead. We don't know why. Hopefully, necropsy will answer some questions. The story changed on, what was it, Thursday maybe before the Derby, Uh, maybe Wednesday, I'm not sure, almost by the hour. First, he was going to run some horses in the Derby and not others. He wanted to run the horses that were stable at Churchill, not in Kentucky. And the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission came in and said, no, we're scratching all your horses. Then on top of that, Churchill Downs came in and banned Safi Joseph temporarily from uh, running not only at Churchill, but any of their tracks. There's a possibility that this was... Nothing but a terrible coincidence. If that's the case, Safi Joseph was dealt a penalty that he didn't deserve. But we don't know the answers. And I give this a lot of thought. I absolutely think they did the right thing. Because, again, what if Lord Miles broke down in the Kentucky Derby? Is that a thousand to one chance, a two thousand to one chance? Maybe something along that. But there was that chance and we didn't know what was going on. And what would have been the reaction from the public? I think it would have been perhaps the single ugliest moment in the history of racing. I actually would have drawn the line differently. I agree that the Kentucky horse racing commission should have scratched all those horses. Not sure. I agree with Churchill Downs banning him. I think to keep the horses out of the Derby and Derby week probably was enough until they got deeper into the subject and find out what happened. But, that leaning up to the Derby was part of the the, the biggest part of one of the biggest stories, the Safi Joseph story. But even before the Derby, you pick up any newspaper, you go to any website, you're reading about five horses dead at Churchill Downs. And that is nothing less than an absolute awful thing for the sport of horse racing.
2: Yeah. And, I, and there's no explanation for it. There's, there's none. I mean, it, it doesn't appear... Um, to anyone that's that's close to the sport that churchill downs was doing anything differently between the derby in 2022 and 2021 and the derby in 2023 as far as you know the racetrack surface safety protocols just stringent for the horses i mean look at all the scratches leading up to the kentucky derby than they've been before if not more so Um, and maybe it's not quite the same for the rank and file horses during the week as it is for the Kentucky Derby horses, but still two horses that drop dead, you know, and then the breakdowns, there's, there's just no, there's no, I wish there was an explanation for it where you could say, okay, this is why this happened. We all know that breakdowns don't occur, uh, in, you know, spaced out sequences necessarily they're random and random results can mean you can have a cluster of them here and then none for a long time and then a cluster uh, down the road a little bit there's really no way to predict anything like that you pointed out and accurately I think it's two completely different situations the scratch of Lord Miles and all of Safi's other horses and the indefinite suspension that Churchill handed to safi we sat down with the stewards a couple of days before and they told us at the time i think this was uh thursday morning that the uh, necropsy results wouldn't be around for a week or two wouldn't be available for a week or two and we we just sort of assumed that any uh, any penalty long-term penalty for safi joseph if there were to be any would wait for the necropsy which obviously it did not. Churchill Downs uh, went ahead and unilaterally uh, issued its its ban of SAFI. And here's the thing about that, right? It's Is it fair on the surface? No. But Churchill Downs is not in the business of fair. Churchill Downs is not really in the business, to be honest, of what's best for the sport as a whole. Churchill Downs is a publicly traded $10 billion corporation, whose stock, by the way, has soared in the last two years, is beholden, and they'll tell you this, they're beholden to their shareholders. And they're beholden, very much so, to the image of Churchill Downs Incorporated, to everybody out there that might be interested in buying stock in CDI. And so when the image gets tarnished like this, this week, with all, the, with all the injuries and the deaths, uh, Churchill Downs feels the need to address that very publicly and very boldly, just like they did with the Bob Baffert two-year ban after the Medina Spirit positive test. So in my opinion, that's what's behind what seems to be a premature and an unfair uh, rush to judgment for Sappy Joseph. And if the necropsy results come back and there is a, a logical explanation for the two horses that, that drop dead, uh, then maybe the SAFI ban will be rescinded. We'll see.
1: Uh, the problems of modern technology and the internet. Zoe Cabin has disappeared off the face of the earth. We don't know where she went. Presumably, her internet went down. So hopefully, we can get that fixed and include her uh, in the conversation as we keep going. Uh, Randy, we just talked about Sathy Joseph. I think we both made some salient points there. Uh, 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 to a lesser degree, uh, because it wasn't involving a life and death issue, was, of course, Forte. And he is scratched the morning of the Kentucky Derby by the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission vet and for a bruised right front foot. Uh, for the most part, Todd Pletcher and Mike Rapoli you know, um, took the high ground but you could see that they were disappointed, and I think you could see that they, maybe you talked to him. maybe you know more about this, you probably do. They thought the horse should have been able to run, and they would have liked to have run him. Now, not only has it kept him out of the derby, it's now kept him out of the Preakness as well, but I, I think this goes back to what we were talking about. I think 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, they would have let this horse run. But in the modern era, with everything going on, it's not just Churchill Downs, but most racetracks are not taking any chances whatsoever. And I applaud them for that. Again, was the horse sound? I'm sure he was sound sound because Todd Pletcher is a great trainer and is not going to run an infirm horse. And if again, if, if it was his desire to run the horse, you have to put a lot of stock in that. But if a veterinarian thinks otherwise, yes, he should have been scratched because that's what we're dealing with in 2023. Take zero chances.
2: Yeah, and and to point out how times have changed. Uh, if for for those of you who are watching the NBC telecast, I pointed this out uh, exactly 20 years ago at Churchill Downs. Uh, Empire Maker was preparing for the Kentucky Derby, and on Tuesday of Derby Week, Empire Maker came up with a very similar foot bruise. His happened also in the right front foot his happened on Tuesday whereas Forte's happened on Wednesday and being there and covering that Kentucky Derby for uh, newspapers I don't know Bill you were there as well um you know we were hanging out with trainer Bobby Frankel all week long and it was public knowledge it was in all the newspapers the foot footbrews he was very transparent about it um and you could see him as the week went on uh talking himself into the uh believing that the foot bruise would have no impact whatsoever on the way empire maker ran in the Kentucky Derby he was a pretty solid favorite now there were none of these intense uh veterinary checks and all of this scrutiny in 1983 is when it was it was pretty much left up to Bobby Frankel to decide if he was going to run the horse you in mean
1: the, right, you mean 2003 of course not sorry, 1980,
2: 19, 19, 2003 20 years ago it was up to Frankel as to you know whether or not to run Empire Maker and he decided he made the call to run Empire Maker and Empire Maker was beaten by funnyside a horse that he had already soundly not soundly defeated but in the Wood Memorial it was clear that Empire Maker was a better horse than Funnyside on that day. He finished second with the foot bruise. and came back, of course, we know what happened to the Belmont Stakes later on. But the point being, 20 years later, the same exact thing happens to Forte, and Forte didn't get a chance to run because of the veterinary scrutiny. Empire Maker would have been scratched in 2003 if they had the similar uh, sort of veterinary checks that they have now. And it's a good thing it's a good thing and you're you're seeing a lot of scratches in the Kentucky Derby this year and it's going to be something that we're going to have to get used to because with the level of attention being paid to horse safety uh this is the kind of thing that's gonna it may not be five scratches like there was this year which was the most since 1937 by the way uh but you will it'll be much more prevalent the scratched horses in the days leading up to the Derby than we've uh, become accustomed to seeing over the last few decades
1: Randy we're going to continue with this subject and talk more about it uh after we come back from this break but first what's going on with the PHBA
2: yeah how about that the Pennsylvania breads were front and center at Churchill Downs first you had Caravelle who won the turf sprint obviously very impressively and he's headed now the plan is to royal Ascot for the king's stand stakes which is a five furlong obviously turf race against the males all 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 sexes male and female uh, on opening day tuesday of royal ascot and then of course the pennsylvania bread angel of empire running as well as he did in the kentucky derby what did you think about his uh, about his effort in the derby bill
1: He ran very well. I mean, he ran a good race. He didn't have uh, much trouble. Uh, He ran a solid third. Uh, He just wasn't good enough. But nothing wrong with being third in the Kentucky Derby, Randy.
2: And the speculation is now, since he's not running in the Preakness Stakes, that he'll be coming back for the Belmont Stakes. And as for Caravelle, Royal Ascot, according to Brad Cox, was the number one reason why Caravelle was brought back to race this season as a six-year-old. So big things happening with the the, uh, Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association with what happened this past weekend on the sport's biggest stage.
3: The PA Horse Breeders Association presents the Pennsylvania Stallion Series. Six races for PA Sire, PA bred two-year-olds at parks.
2: Two $100,000 contests at five and a half furlongs. On August 21st, PA Day at the races. September 23rd, PA Derby Day. has two races at six and a half furlongs, both with a $150,000 purse. And in
3: December, two races going long, each worth $200,000. For more, go to
2: pabred.com.
3: Connect, the next in line to carry on Lane's End's tried-and-true stallion tradition. A grade-one winning millionaire son of Curlin, physically impressive and dominant on the track. Winner of the grade-one Cigar Mile and the grade-two Pennsylvania Derby, where he defeated Gunrunner, Nyquist, and Exaggerator. With multiple six-figure yearlings in his first crop, up to $360,000. Connect, a proven winner on the track. A proven stallion in the making.
1: Always big things happening with Lane's End as well. Randy, tell us more about them.
2: Of course, the TDN Riders Room, as always, is brought to you by the Lane's End Stallion of the Week. And that, and this week, that stallion at Lane's End is Connect. It was Connect's daughter, the Alice Look, who picked up her first grade one stakes placing When she was third in the kentucky oaks on friday bouncing back from a disappointing performance in her most recent start in the fairgrounds oaks earlier this year she got a big speed figure for three-year-old fillies at least this year when she won the silver bullet day stakes and it was good to see the alice look come back to form with a really solid kentucky oaks performance connect one of the top sons of leading sire Curlin, we saw the success the Curlin sons had this weekend. He's also a Grade One winning millionaire who won six of eight lifetime starts with four triple digit buyer speed figures. Connect stands at Lanes End for a fee of twenty five thousand dollars.
1: So back to the issues at the Kentucky Derby, and uh, let's take a look now at what happened on Derby Day itself. As we know, going into it, there were five fatalities. The media was already. Uh, you know, sensing red meat here and all over it. And again, I I don't blame the media one one bit for this. We have two more horses break down on Kentucky Derby day. And what I wrote in, in my follow up story to the Thoroughbred Daily News was that, um, y- you know, you have to pay attention to the media coverage of the Kentucky Derby. And by and large, it went something like this: seven horses died at Churchill Downs. Dot dot dot. And oh, by the way, Mage won the Kentucky Derby. I- I'm going to read something now, and I-, I think a lot of people. Uh, listening to this are going to be mad at me for reading this. But the reason why I'm doing it is because horse racing can't bear to me. We can't bury our heads in the sand. And we need to know and we need to react to what the general public thinks about our sport. And uh, the coverage in The New York Times was pretty brutal. Uh, They had two stories about the breakdowns. And and here is a uh, letter to the editor that ran in the New York Times, it says that Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs should be shut down. Greedy owners and trainers hungry for a purse push these animals beyond their limits. They have proved to be incompetent stewards of the great athletes in their care. As your report, seven horses died at Churchill Downs in the lead up to this year's derby. These horses are akin to the Roman gladiators coming out alive. Is, is the Excuse me. Coming out alive is the victory in this blood sport. The only answers, the only winners are the gamblers in the state of Kentucky. I, I read that. Because, again, horse racing can't ignore these things. Randy, I know I don't agree with that. I know you don't. I'm sure Zoe doesn't either. But we have a sport now in crisis. And it has been for some time. And I personally think what happened at the Derby, because of the media coverage of the Kentucky Derby, was worse than Santa Anita 2019. And we have to be aware of what the general public thinks of our sport. Because they are the ones, the court of public opinion, is going to decide whether this sport goes forward or goes backwards. And who knows, maybe even is like the circus, like dog racing, uh, put out of business someday. Unfortunately, there are no easy answers to this. We can't stop the horses from breaking down. But we have to do our very best. We have to do better. We need HISA to pass. We need the people that are standing in the way of HISA to shut up and go away. And you know we have to continue to fight the good fight, but it's scary to me as someone who makes his living in horse racing, um, uh, as, as I speak to some friends, uh, in some respects, I'm glad I'm not 25 years old because could I get 50 more years employment out of this industry? I'm not sure I could, and that scares me to death. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of rambling here because it's an emotional subject. I wish I had the answers but I don't think anybody in horse racing should downplay what happened this week, and it should scare everybody because it was a really bad story.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had uh, an email sent to uh, quite a few people at NBC, uh, starting at the low end of the poll with me and going uh, all the way up to the top, um, accusing NBC of being complicit in the horse deaths because of nbc's uh glamorization and coverage of horse racing uh, at the kentucky derby Th- this is something that it's not going to go away you're right uh, unfortunately i mean we thought and the statistics seem to indicate that horse racing had turned a corner of sorts with horse deaths nationwide uh, dropping significantly due to the extra attention. we assume that's being paid to horse safety and you know we all know that it's never going to get to zero Uh, horses you know you can sing born free and turn all the horses out into a field and they're going to suffer injuries and and deaths and things like that you're not going to completely do away with that in the horse racing sport but you know at what level are horse are horse deaths acceptable that's a very, very touchy question right now to the general public. There are people within the general public and the animal rights activists especially who would basically tell you that that any horse death is unacceptable and that there is no acceptable level at which horse racing should be allowed to continue. And that's a very, very scary thought when you when you realize the reality of the situation that there's no way to completely eliminate it. Absolutely no way. And I mean the sport has to, you know, really be super vigilant on this and it's it, it sounds silly to say that because you think that they've already been super vigilant. But you know, I know and you know that there are horsemen out there, there are trainers, there are owners that if they could, they would turn back the clock to the days when horses could break down and there would be no public outcry. There would be no, it wouldn't be in the newspapers. They would just go back to those Those days are long gone. And you can't even think about that. You've got to deal with where we're at right now in 2023 with animal rights being front and center uh, way more than it's ever been before. And horse racing just has to keep improving and keep doing everything it can possibly do uh, to try to, you can't solve the problem, but to try to minimize it as much as possible, and put a good PR face, and let people know the things that are being done uh, on behalf of the horses.
1: See, Renan, I totally agree with you, but this is my worry about this. Um, you know, horse racing takes a victory lap when the statistics come out, and it's, it's better this year than last year. And it's better than the year before. And they should because there's a lot to be proud of. They've gotten this these numbers down. The work that they've done at Santa Anita and Southern California and Del Mar, where they had you know all hell broke loose, uh, they've turned that picture around 180 degrees. And, you know, the numbers now are a lot better than they were 10, 12, 15 years ago. But so the, then the story that we might we try to tell the public is. We kill fewer horses than we used to, and that doesn't work. The public is not going to accept that. I mean, is there is there some level of, if if you know that number is one point two seven uh, deaths per one thousand stars? Let's suppose it got down to a third of that, roughly um, forty point four zero or something like that. That would be fantastic, but I don't know if that would be good enough. and and and, it, and it's Probably unrealistic that we would get down to that number. And again, you know, the the the, um, the prominence of the Kentucky Derby bit us in the butt here because, again, if this happened on a, on a one week at Finger Lakes or Fairmont Park, nobody would have paid any attention to this. But we, and through the NBC cameras, through the media coverage, we invite the general public into our game one time a year. The television ratings were through the roof. For the Kentucky Derby, the, the largest watch sporting event in this country since the Super Bowl. We try to put our best foot forward. And at the end of the day, the man on the street doesn't know who Mage is, doesn't know who Javier Castellano is. But they know that seven horses died at the Kentucky Derby. You know, bad timing, of course. More years than not, nothing happens. I don't think Churchill Downs did anything wrong here. I don't think the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission did anything wrong here. Matter of fact, I applaud them for some of the things we talked about. Scratching the Safi Joes of the forces, not letting um, Forte run. But, you know, when we have this happen, what does this mean for this sport? And is it going to be banned tomorrow? Of course not. And I don't think it'll necessarily ever be banned. But the forces that want to put racing out of business, they gained an awful lot of momentum this weekend. And that's scary stuff.
2: Yeah. You know, we celebrate the horse uh in the sport and you know the majestic thoroughbred and the beauty of the thoroughbred the beauty of a sport and and we put the thoroughbred on on such a pedestal and the irony is that that puts horse racing um in the crosshairs more than let's say the cattle industry right where cows are raised for food and slaughtered and and people by and large unless your peta seem to be okay with that and pigs are raised to be slaughtered as livestock uh horses that have names and that uh, that race for our enjoyment and are so beautiful uh are put on a pedestal and they're considered different than the other examples that this is something that horsemen talk about all the time they don't understand the difference um and it's just something that is part of the sport as far as the attention being paid to it. And look, we talk about Churchill Downs Incorporated and the downside sometimes of what we've seen about Churchill as a publicly traded corporation, right, with what happened to Arlington Park, uh, with what happened to Calder slash Gulfstream Park West before that. But it might actually be a really good thing that if this had to happen. Um, and it had to happen at Churchill Downs on Kentucky Derby Week, that CDI is a $10 billion publicly traded corporation and has to care so much about public image that they, because of that, they're going to really turn over every rock and do everything that they can possibly do to convince the public that Churchill Downs is all over this, that it's unlikely to happen again. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll have a situation that will improve in the future. But we couldn't have expected this, so it, it's scary.
1: Yeah. That that is the frustrating part is that there are no answers. One thing I would say again, I mean, this isn't gonna, supposed to be a HISA rant, but you know, if you're anti-HISA, take a look at this, what happened, and please explain to me why it's not a good idea to have HISA come in and they're not a panacea either. But they all appearances are they'll make things better. And we everybody needs to do everything they can to to try to solve these problems. And so that next year we're on this podcast and we're talking only about the race and the majesty of the race and the greatness of the horses and the beauty of the horses. That's what we want to talk about so anyways um sorry to be a downer but folks uh, the subject was necessary I-, I really believe that okay so moving on to things that are put a uh, little bit less severe and ah uh, how about the xbtv workout of the week the xbtv workout of the week is arabian lion is the chestnut on the outside here working in company with his stable mate, the gray Mawari, I hope I pronounced that right. This is Arabian Lions' second work back since the second place finish in the Lexington Stakes, and he finishes up strongly here. Peter Bob Baffert says he's not decided on Arabian Lions' next start. We'll be right back after this message from XBTV.
3: All the thrills. Fraction of the Bills. experience the power of the partnership change your life make new friends and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing west point thoroughbreds the gold standard in racing partnerships visit WestPointTB.com.
1: tdn riders room is brought to you by west point thoroughbreds joining a west point thoroughbreds partnership can vault you into the world of instant camaraderie among people surrounding high-class horses and stakes action for a fraction of the cost of trying to do it on your own. West Point was active at the OBS April two-year-old and training sale, purchasing horses for trainers nationwide at various price points. In March alone, 17 new partners joined the West Point family. Could you be next? Learn about available horses. Visit westpointtv.com. The Remy Bullock cartoon, which appears every Friday in the TDN is in. And let's get into the minds of horses. When they lose, do they feel
0: bad about it? Well,
1: maybe not always. That's what Remy touches upon this week. OK, well, thank you for viewing another edition of the TDN Writer's Room podcast. I want to thank Randy Moss and Zoe Cabin my partners on the telecast, the broadcast. Zoe Cabin hopefully we will get that computer fixed and we'll have her back next week. I want to thank our co-producers, Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca, our editors, Leah LaRocca and Nathan Wilkinson, and the return of Lucy. She missed us last week because Randy was at Churchill now. Hi, Lucy. Good to have you back. Tune in next week. We'll have more talk about The Preakness, The Triple Crown, Mage, etc. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next week.